Welcome to Passion Church. This week's message is called Releasing Hope. We think that you'll find this message a blessing. Thank you for joining us. You have your Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. And before we read the word, I want to just share something with you. When I was a young man, I was self-centered. Now, I didn't say I run around with an arrogance, but I was self-centered, self-focused. My world revolved around me. My whole existence was wrapped up in, in me. And I wanted to be a winner in life. How many grew up with that dream? I want to be a winner in whatever area. But often it seemed that I came up short. In fact, I often failed at being a winner. How many can say that's your testimony? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you see, I went to school and thought, I'm as smart as any other kid. Until I failed miserably in academics. Because I was a daydreamer and my head was out the window, my head was never in my studies. I failed in ath- athleticism because I was that skinny kid that could barely make it to the top of the rope. I failed in the social settings because I wasn't with the in crowd. I wasn't with the cool crowd. I wasn't with the athletic crowd. I was just one of the faceless numbers that walked the hallways of high school. (laughs) I failed in corporate success because every job I had, I never really got promotion. I just kind of sat there. Started my own business and failed into bankruptcy. (laughs) And then I failed in relationships. Failed in marriage. Then I really failed big with my first child and my parenting skills. And I had a string of failures a mile long and a mile wide. And by all accounts, I should have quit. I was so self-centered that I often find myself wrestling with bouts of great depression. And the more something would go wrong, I so related with what Katie was saying today. The more I would feel down, the more things would go wrong. And what we don't understand is when you're self-centered, you're living a life of faith in reverse. You're living an anti-faith. Can I say it that way? We often live by, I believe it's Murphy's Law. If it's going to go wrong, it probably will. Many of us live the Eeyore existence. Anyone know who Eeyore is? You ever watch Winnie the Pooh? Some of these young folks are like, who? Us old folks remember Winnie the Pooh? I live somewhere between Eeyore and Piglet. It was either, oh, it's me. Or, dear, dear, something's going to go wrong. But I always wanted the Tigger existence. My top was made of rubber, my bottom was made of spring. Bouncy, flouncy, trouncy, flouncy, woo, woo. It's a lot funner life. 
And I had moments of that. But because I was self-centered, I lived an anti-faith that pulled me backwards so often. Until now, now listen, I got born again at the age of nine. So most of all this failure I'm talking about happened underneath the banner of Christ. But it was because I had accepted Christ, but I hadn't started living for Christ. I just was the hamster in a wheel. And you just keep going and you're going nowhere, but you keep spinning. And that was my life. Until one day, I got a hold of Tigger's secret. Guess what I discovered? You see, my existence from being born again at nine till I was in my early 20s, I was even in ministry. And I had moments of great ecstasy in God, but, but I always seemed to fall back into the failure mode. And then one day I discovered, it's not about me. What a revelation. I'm serving God not for me. I'm serving God for him. And my walk with God isn't with an austere, hardened, how do I want to say it? Angry, upset, tyrannical God. Here was the breakthrough that made the difference for me. I discovered, oh, you can't handle this. I'll quit right here. I discovered he loves me. That should have knocked you right out of your seat. <laughs> there you go. He loves me. I don't have to even be good. Oh, this is going to mess you up. I don't even have to be good. And he loves me. Listen, you might be sitting in a crack house, bombed out of your mind. But God loves you. You could be homeless under a bridge, not knowing where the next meal's coming from, and begging on a street corner, but God loves you. Mm. He loves you. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, I told you. He really loves me. He loves me so much that he would, if, if I was to blow it today and run out to a bar somewhere and sit on a bar stool, he'd go in that room with me to watch over me and to keep reminding me that there's a better life than this one waiting for me. Because he loves me. In fact, he loved me so much that he bankrolled all of heaven and put his own life on the line just to give me a chance. One shot. And if you know his nature, you know it's many. But just 
He did it all just so I could know what it is to be a winner. He did it all so that I would understand I really am a winner. Like some of you, I was buying the lie. Not good enough, not smart enough, not popular enough, not talented enough. But I want you to know, and I already said this earlier today, but hope is birthed in the promise of God. Hope released in the heart empowers expectation. Faith cometh by and hearing by the because the word is filled with the promises of God which are and there's not a no in the promises of God. They are yes and amen. The only consequences in this life that have anything to do with the promises of God is if I ignore them. But if I embrace them, they revolutionize my life. And I step from anti-faith into full-fledged faith that when I hear the word, when I hear the word, Hope is birthed in my heart, and hope breeds expectation, and expectation releases faith. (laughs) I'm having fun. You all looking at me like, what? Jeremiah 29, 11. 29, 11, I know we've, we've there for a while the church used this to the point we we almost uh, made it something it wasn't. The Lord is speaking through Jeremiah to Israel. They are displaced from their land. They are in a place of bondage. But God is telling them, you have a hope. You have a future. Take a look at this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Even though you right now, this is not in your word, but even though right now you are in bondage, I haven't lost the fact that you're in bondage. I'm watching over you because I still love you. Look at this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. So many people have no hope for the future. And Jesus, through the prophets, the Spirit of God... Letting them know that through God, there is a hope at the end of your life. There is a hope not even just at the end of your life, but there is a hope while you're living your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 simply lets us know that God never thinks evil towards you. And he's not bent on man's destruction. No, he's bent on your salvation. Get the thought out of your mind that God is a big punisher. God is a big rewarder. He rewards those who diligently seek him. He's looking for those who come looking for him. He's not bent on your destruction, but your salvation. God wants you to center your life on the bedrock called P. 
peace. He wants you to believe he's here to help you. Humanity as a whole has a heart cry of woe. Feeling lost, overwhelmed, shut out, put down, broken, and misfit. There's an overwhelming cry in our world for peace. The Bible in Revelation says that in the last times, that peop, the, the world will cry, peace, peace. And they won't find it. You know why? Because they're not coming to the Prince of Peace to find the peace. They're trying to do it in human effort and negotiation. Let me give you a definition real quick. The word hope means a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. <laughs> it is grounds for believing that something good will happen. And it is a feeling. Did you know that? Hope can be a feeling. It's not based in feeling, but it can bring a feeling. Hope is a feeling of trust. Hope is a feeling of trust. There's an overwhelming cry for peace. The global outcry reaches the heart of every soul on planet Earth. We need peace. Can I just share with you some things we need peace from? We need peace from war. We need peace from poverty and corruption and crime and sickness and disease and heartache and loss and murder and death and grief, and tragedy, and addiction, and divorce, and abandonment, and governmental tyranny, and terrorism. We need peace from false religion. We need peace from witchcraft. We need peace from jealousy, and greed, and anger, just to name a few. And every person on the planet feels the crush of hopelessness that surrounds mankind. This all started when Adam disobeyed the one and only law that God gave him. And Adam's defiance unleashed a murderous devil of deception upon the whole of humanity. And mankind has been held hostage to this devil or by this devil for way, way, way too long. And when this devil robbed Adam from his position, he left Adam broke Busted and disgusted. Hmm. Adam was ashamed and undone and naked and without excuse. The devil will, this is not in my notes, I'm going to throw this at you though. The devil will sell you a bill of goods telling you how pleasant and fun and exciting it is until you get into the middle of it and you've already created the act and then you walk away from the act feeling like, like a worm crawling on the floor because suddenly the guilt rushes in because the same one who 
tempted you to do the thing that you're doing and enticed you and tried to get you to do it. He can't make you do it, but if you choose to do it and it becomes your act, then he jumps on your mind and tells you how lousy you are. <laughs> Adam, now ashamed, undone, naked, and without excuse, now frightened by the God that he once so loved, he feels now like an outsider and a misfit so broken and so lonely as he was handed the rewards of his actions and insecurity settled into the heart of mankind. Once the prince of the world, Adam was once the prince of this world. Now, a caretaker of the mess he made. And Satan is still reminding the Adam in us about the mess we've made of our lives. Embarrassed, broken, hurting, depressed, sick, diseased, angry, jealous, murderous, and suicidal. It all adds up to the schizophrenia of hopelessness. The feeling of stressful confusion, insecurity, and unrest. And mankind needs peace. Mankind needs hope. Mankind needs something greater than itself to believe in. All of the human effort that we put forward towards peace never produces it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you that mankind needs a champion. And mankind needs a champion because man's condition alone is destructive and maddening and ends in death. But in Genesis, the third chapter, God gave us the promise and he gave it to Eve. Your seed, Adam and Eve, will crush the head of the serpent. I'm going to speak of Adam, but ladies and gentlemen, understand Adam and Eve were called man, mankind. So if I'm speaking of Adam, I'm speaking, ladies, to you as well. Before God was through revealing to Adam what all he had lost and gave away, get this picture in your mind. Adam now slumped shoulder with his head down. In fear of the God that he once walked daily with and knew intimately is now standing receiving the just rewards of poor choice. Having not silenced the mouth of the enemy, which was completely under his power, he walked in willingly to something God asked him not to do. Didn't just ask him, commanded. And by doing so, he sent an unraveling across the scope of the ages from the beginning of time to the end of man's condition. Now the manager of the mess that he's made, while God is letting him know you're going to toil, you're going to suffer, you're going to work, not because I'm punishing you, but because you have loosed upon the earth death. He tells him, but before you give up, I got this. 
before you throw in the towel, I got this. He didn't leave Adam in the garden without hope. I got this. It's already in the works, Adam. It's already in the works. Why? Because God went to the end before he started the beginning. He knew what Adam would do. And he knew what Adam would need. And he knew what you and I would need in 2018 to live the life of a Christian. He understood the hope that needed to be championed. And he told Adam and he told Eve in the garden, your seed, your seed, your seed, you will have a descendant that will crush the head of the serpent that so deceived you. Mm. And while Adam was receiving the reality and the harsh reality of where he was, God was revealing his plan for redemption. He was telling Adam, I'm not leaving you like this. There's hope in this promise if you can just believe it. And justice prophesied in Genesis and through the ages, 4,000 years of reminders of what God had said over and over and over by the, by the prophets. Right on time, a virgin conceived, justice prophesied, a Savior was born, and the Prince of Peace entered the earth, and the hope of all mankind came to earth and split time in half. He came with the promise of a kingdom that he will rule, and every man every woman, every boy, every girl will one day live without any devils tempting them whatsoever in this life and all will be peace and all will be joy. There'll be no self-loathing and there'll be no death in that land. We will serve with him throughout eternity understanding that the devil can never talk man back out of the peace and the joy and the salvation that he has experienced. Jesus came and fulfilled his duty here on earth and left us with one more promise. I shall return, and when I do, the fullness of my kingdom comes with me. <laughs> oh, but he did something that, that, that the saints of old did not get. They got law, and they got a, a temporary blood covering, but what he did for you and me on the cross set us up to be winners. Yes. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> he gave us a down payment on his kingdom while we wait. Mm. Romans the 14th chapter 17th verse lets us know that, that the kingdom of God that was left here on the earth is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, the inner witness, the spirit of God himself. The kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, isn't just tomorrow when the Lord returns, but the kingdom is now. The kingdom is here. That's why Jesus preached the kingdom 
is at hand. Oh, I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to live a life free from problems, but in the midst of the problems, I have the down payment on that day when there'll be no more temptation. I have the down payment on the day when there'll be no more self-loathing. I have the down payment that what's on the inside of me is what I will feel when I get on the other side, only magnified by about a gazillion times, and I don't even know how much that is, but I want you to know that righteousness, peace, and joy is mine to live in while I'm here. Is this too much for the first of the year? Is this going to mess anybody up today? Don't raise your hand. See, Jesus gave us his winning spirit. The same spirit that overcame the cross is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see how important hope is? That same spirit that overcame death, that overcame the grave, that overcame sin, that overcame sickness and disease, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you according to Romans the 8th chapter and the 11th verse. That very same spirit is in you. That's why the word calls you more than an overcomer because Jesus overcame sin, he overcame temptation, he overcame sickness, and he overcame death, the final enemy of man. And when he resurrected and came out of that tomb and the stone hit the ground in a thud and angels came to announce he was written. I want you to understand the significance of that is that he proved to the devil by grabbing him by the nape of the neck and taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave out of that grave with him. And then he handed you in the upper room through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the promise, the paraclete, the one called alongside, the spirit of Christ himself living in you. You are more than an overcomer. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, I love the look of your armor. So promise is the birthplace of hope. Genesis, the third chapter, 4,000 years of fulfillment. But now 2,000 years, we've been walking out the down payment of the final promise to man. And we've been left with one assignment. Go and share who you know. Go share who you know. If you're streaming live with us today, I want you to have hope in your heart that God knows exactly where you are. And he knows the crush of hopelessness that surrounds mankind. But you do not have to live in that crushing, that crushing place of defeat. I want you to understand that that crushing, overwhelming power of worthlessness that we feel, the overwhelming feeling of depression can be lifted in an instant with a heart cry. We heard it even in testimony 
testimony here today. You weren't privy to that. But we had someone in, in this place who told us that they finally came to a place where they could feel the power of God. And in that moment, they reached out and grabbed it before it could get away from them. And they held on to it. And the devil's not been able to take it from them since. We've been left with one assignment. If hope is birthed in the promise, shouldn't we understand what those promises are? Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Mm. Hebrews the sixth chapter, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is a substance that pleases God. Faith is hope birthed in the heart of a man according to the promise of God. A hope that believes and expects results. It's a bulldog bite of belief that holds on regardless of delay or conflicting information. It stands its ground and it will not take no for an answer. Pastor... How to overcome depression, listen to me. Grab the promise of God that says, I have a sound mind. And then don't let the devil talk you into going back to where your emotions lead you, but stand up and say, I don't think so. For the spirit of the warrior lives in me, and I am a winner. There's no battle you can throw my way, devil, that hasn't already been won by Jesus. So all you're doing is regurgitating over and over and over dead, gone battles that have already been settled in the spirit of God. And as long as I let Jesus be the Lord of my life and keep pulling to him and get out of the self deprecating lifestyle I am an overcomer (laughs) we got to quit preaching like this it could start revival Passion Church in 2018 and beyond our mission is to release hope this isn't just for 2018 this is starting now And for the remainder of our time here on earth, we're to be releasing hope. It is the Great Commission. Releasing hope. Well, how do we do that? Number one, this is not in my notes. Somebody write this down so I don't forget. Number one. Trust his promise. Believe it. Simply, you said it, God has to be. Don't let self or an enemy talk you out of what you know already in your heart. Arise to the occasion when the enemy comes to tell you, you are dumb, you are stupid, you are no good, you'll never make it, you're a failure. And you remind him, oh no, 
I have the down payment of the kingdom that is of coming that's already about to be announced. It's on its way. But while I'm here, I'm living in the power and the presence of Christ Jesus. I just want to say his name again to you, devil, to remind you that I am an overcomer through everything he has accomplished and no assignment, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Everything will fall at my side because I'm armed with the armament of Christ Jesus. <laughs> Woo, faith works for those who work the word. So how do people win? How do we release hope? Here we go. First, you must believe. Then you need to share your testimony of how God's promises have worked for you. There's nothing more exciting than your testimony of when you didn't believe and suddenly you did. And the transformation that happened from the moment you didn't believe until where you do believe. I am so ruined in Christ Jesus that I could not go back to any other form of living. I'm so ruined in Jesus. I can't even write a good, sad country song. She ran off with my dog and my best friend. I can't write that because you know why? I know how to get out of it. I have Christ. I have hope. Every time I try to put pen to paper and ever tried to write, oh, woe is me, it comes out, praise the Lord. I've got too much inside information. Because the more I live for him, the stronger the righteousness, peace, and joy. Every time I overcome the enemy in any area, I step up another notch. And the devil knows lost some more territory with that boy. Sometimes I come through, I, I, I'll be honest now, I've had some moments I didn't know, I didn't know how well I was doing, but when I got to the other side and I kept my faith and I held on to the promise of God and trust, when I came to the other side, all is well with me. Everything he's trying to knock me out of the game with, what he doesn't understand is my Savior, my Lord, my king, my warrior, my champion, he'll kick the tar out of you. So bring it on. Because when I don't fall and I don't fail and the smoke of this battle clears and I'm still standing, it's not pe people don't see me. They see the strength of the Christ in me. Y'all look like you don't believe me. I got to hurry. So how do we help people win? How are we going to help people win, Passion Church? We're going to release hope. We're going to release hope. We're going to share our testimony. We're going to share the word. Everybody needs hope. And everyone wants to win. But they don't know how to get it.
And because they don't know how to get a victory, they medicate their pain and overindulge to supplement their insecurity. Passion Church Cameron needs us. We didn't need a bigger building. This isn't enough to take care of. Some of you are going, what? No, we didn't need a bigger building. <laughs> we didn't need it. Are you feeling duped? We didn't need it, but God did. This ain't about us, Passion Church. It's about the kingdom. It's about releasing hope. It's about convincing Cameron that they're winners. They have the power to win. Cameron needs us, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't need a bigger building. God did. There are thousands of hopeless people right here in Cameron, people who couldn't live this life without ever discovering that hope in God delivers peace. And there are those who could leave this life and not see another day this side of the veil who've not yet heard the hope of Jesus Christ. So it is imperative that we do not waste time but get into the highways and the byways and to compel them that Christ is the answer. He is the hope. He's the one that brings what we need. People whose minds need a break from confusion. People whose souls need a rest. People who would give anything to know what joy feels like would like to know, and they're waiting on us. Cameron needs to hear that something, uh, Cameron needs something to put their hope in, to place their expectations on. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the answer. Oh, he is the prince of peace. Uh, he is uh, from everlasting unto everlasting. He is the alpha and the omega. He is Christ. Uh, he is the one and only true living God. There is no other God. God besides him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen. <laughs> Passion Church, our win for the kingdom is being the house of hope and healing that Cameron needs. Our win is giving them someone to believe in. And our mission, our mission our mission, our mission is helping people win in every area of life. Not just Sunday morning, not that we can get their fanny to flatten on a chair. Do you know that's not our assignment? Can I straighten that out for you? That's not our assignment. Our assignment isn't nickels and noses. Our assignment is letting that person who feels like crud, who don't even understand why they wake up in the morning to know there is hope. Our assignment is help people win. And when they get blindsided by life and they get an unwanted, unmerited divorce, someone standing there to say, 
Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. There's life beyond divorce. When they stagger to a drug house with no money in their pockets and they're jonesing for the next fix and the DTs are about to shake them to death, they need to know that there is a greater high than what you'll ever find beyond those nasty doors that your soul keeps wanting to go through if you can find just a glimmer of trust in the promise of God he will come in and help you deliver you families that are blended and they can't make the relationships work and it's upside down and it's backwards and it's awkward. I'm here to let you know you're a winner in Christ Jesus because there's an answer for what you're going through. If you're fighting depression, there's a God who can lift you up. All you have to do is believe. So our mission is helping people to win in every area of life. And with every step of faith you take, with hope in your heart, with every promise you grab in expectancy, the word, the promise of God delivers you to the spirit of a winner, which is Christ in you. And your mission, Passion Church, has been defined You fall so in love with God that you can no longer write a negative story. When your lips want to sing gloom, despair, and agony on me, but your heart can only sing, how great is our God. How great is our God. And you've become the winner. God needs you to be. You, Passion Church, are a winner. If I went down the aisles and named your name, everyone, I have one thought about you. Winner. 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 I want you to understand there's not a loser in this room. And those in Cameron who don't know their winners yet, God's still in love with. That's why when crazy Aunt Matilda comes over for those family gatherings, as difficult as that can be, love. Because God sees her as a winner. You're a winner. Break that hopelessness right now. Throw off those restraints that keep you from running to God with everything. Give all of yourself to him, all of your emotion, all of your emotional makeup, all of your heartache, all of your pain, all of your trouble, and all of your heartache, all of your sacrifice. Give him your allegiance and give him your obedience and see what God can do. God loves you. This is the hope I want to release today. God loves you. God loves you. 
Some of us were raised in church believing that God is a meanie, that God is nasty, that God is hard, and that God expects too much. That's not true. God's a lover, and he loves you. The same as he loved Adam. He's only give us the moral guidelines that we need to keep out of danger. So that we don't get ourselves in one mess after another. He wants you to live mess free. So drag your mess out of the closet that you've hid it in so long. And dump it on the floor in front of the master. And be honest. This is what I've done. This is where I've been. This is who I messed up. This is how I messed myself up. This is what I've done. And understand this, that if you'll be that honest with God, you won't offend him. And you won't cause him to turn his back on you. You'll only feel his embrace. That's why Jesus came, so that we would have a priest who understands the struggle of humanity. Would you bow your head? We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Go out and release hope to your world and watch as lives are changed. If you enjoyed this message and want to learn more about Passion Church, then visit our website at passionchurchmo.com. We hope to connect with you. God bless.